Hello there, my name's Ross Lynch, I'm a director at PowerScore, and welcome to another edition of our Friday Fix podcast. We were recently joined by three senior guests, personal finance journalist Simon Reid, the Times' deputy business editor Tracy Bowles, and Amanda McKenzie, who's the chief executive of business in the community, to debate how the comms industry can navigate the cost of living crisis as inflation heads into double digits. Now, I'm going to go to Simon Reid, first of all, and, say, well, and ask you, as, as, a, as a very experienced uh, PF journalist, what are you looking for as a reporter? Is it about finding the heroes and villains, uh, and villains rather, or, or is it simply about the practicalities of how to save people money? It, it, it's both, really. You know, the, 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 the very essence of personal finance journalism, is what, what's on, which is what I've majored in through my career, is writing stories that help people coming up, whether it's whether it's tips, whether it's pointing out where they can save money, where they can make money. So uh, the, the bottom line is informing readers and, and giving them information that helps them you know, live their life in a, in a better, better financial way. Now, my, my kind of journalism is journalism about people, not about businesses, not about uh, bosses. It's about what affects people. And the actions of some big corporates this, this year have really affected people. And that's been fascinating. And I'm glad that people are getting more, in general, people get more informed about this because the more informed they are, the more we can help improve things. Tracy, obviously, as, as Simon said, this is a huge news story. I mean, with a I imagine that's very slightly different emphasis to Simon at the at the Times. I mean, how, how have you approached it as a as a business desk and a, and as a newspaper overall? As a business journalist, um, this is cost of living is something that first reared its head um, last year when I was still at the Sun. And I remember James Slack, um, who used to work in Number Ten. I'm sure you remember his name. He said, "I think there's a cost of living crisis coming." We love numbers as business journalists, and that worked very well. Uh, in terms of getting stories onto page two of the Sun, which um, pe- uh, people don't always understand the Sun, but it is read in number ten, and it's something that, that the Times is also very interested in. So it tends to go forward to news, which means that it will be in the front of the book as well as on the business pages, and those things have a different emphasis. So front of the book is stuff that Simon's talking about. We won't cover run-of-the-mill announcements, by which I mean, you know, like every company at the moment is announcing pay rises for their staff, which they should. What we really want is something a bit different. Um, So one I pitched yesterday, which it didn't make it in in the end, but it certainly was a bit different, was about the rise of uh, middle-aged people becoming money mules for scammers. So, and this turned out to be a cost of living story. So people were wanting to make a, a quick buck and um, and getting duped into letting scammers use their bank accounts. And it was um, older people who were doing this. Um, the other interesting cost of living story I've seen recently is Har- Harry Wallop, very, uh, very good, very famous columnist. He um, did uh, a, a take on, you may have seen some firms are giving their staff hot meals one of the supermarkets, uh, I, I won't say the names, I can't remember which one, is giving staff on a four hour shift one meal. And if you're on an eight hour shift, you get two hot meals. And he did a, a column on how you know companies were turning into food banks. And that's an interesting original twist on something that's going on. But it's very hard to say something original about pay. <laughs> Thanks, Tracy. Amanda, the business perspective, I mean, what what would your recommendations to businesses be in terms of the messaging with their stuff, their customers, their staff, etc.? Uh, thanks, Russ and and Simon and Tracy and 
I have a little cheat sheet going on here, which I think both M&S and John Lewis are doing free meals and various other goodies uh, for their people. Um, because what, what one of the things we're trying to do is just gather best practice together. And it's not, and so I guess one of the things I was going to say is this isn't easy because there's trade offs every which way. And so people need to think through it. Everyone is is grappling with this at the moment. So no one's alone going, God, there's some really tricky trade offs. I mean, I was talking to a, a very senior person at a professional services firm last night. I won't mention the name. And they said they're seeing a rise in people asking if they can have a second job. Clearly, there's been a lot of companies that have done one off bonuses. Um, and that's good. But again, think about part time people in that. Uh, think about who are the people that are doing part time and why they're part time, possibly because they're looking after their children, which might mean that they're already stretched. You know, it's just all the attendant issues that someone needs to just think through before everyone rushes out and says we've given everyone a thousand pounds. And then the other ways we think about looking at this is obviously your your own people. Then think about your suppliers. So within your company, you can really help suppliers by paying them promptly. You know, some people think it's so clever to pay people after six months. It's not clever if you're a small business and you're desperate for cash flow and you're going to need it, particularly now if you didn't fix your energy. So please think about that, etc. And then and then beyond that, think clearly in terms of your customers. Who are your most vulnerable customers? Where's the poverty premium that still exists across your product set potentially um, and look to eliminate it as best you can or mitigate it as best you can. We can talk about the biggest sort of corporate cost of living blunders, if you like, over the past few months. I mean, I, when I was still a journalist, I remember the classic, I think it was Ovo uh, Do Star Jumps blog post that got a lot of negative coverage. Um, I'm just wondering if you could give us your take on who's dropped a clanger and who's got it right. Well, you know, not not so many clangers, but I think you've picked on the one that's top of the list. <laughs> um, it's the one everyone remembers, isn't it? Doing star jumps. And there was another energy firm called um, Utilita, I think, that told everyone to wear jumpers. Um, you know, as I said earlier, it's not the best way into the energy demand debate, which we're just about to start having, really. Um, I don't think you need an energy company lecturing you on what you what you should do. I mean, have you got any thoughts on this, Amanda? Well, I, I'm certainly not rushing around trying to find gaffes, but I'm struck by what Tracy said. But I suspect by exception now will become the interesting thing. It's like, in other words, companies that don't do this will probably end up being more novel if everyone's trying to do a pay rise in, in the fairest way or whatever. So it'll almost be those that don't will, will arguably be the people that, that get some more interest. And I think it is that piece where people are tone deaf, so they're not making that that link between we're we're not paying the real living wage, for instance, and yet the CEO has just got umpty blah. It is that that contrast that I think really hurts. I think it's an unenviable task for comms professionals to be the only person in a company that's going, haven't you looked at how this is going to play out? I think it is the responsibility of all, you know, the board, the senior managers to anticipate that and call it as best they can. Um, and I would say to the comms uh, folk, you will find people in the company that don't, don't go lonely on this one. There will be other people. So you shouldn't feel you're having to fight that battle single handedly to say to the organisation, look at this, this, this is not a brand, this is a brand does, this isn't going to play out well. Yeah, I think I mean Amanda's point about tone deafness is 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 important, mm. particularly, you know, when it comes to corporate governance. Yeah, sensitivity is required at a time like this. And any anyone particularly doing it well, 
in a in a cost of living crisis or to be blunt do you not care about the people doing it well <laughs> no no I, I think it's really important that people do it well now there's two people i've been impressed by this is richard walker the boss of iceland john allen the boss of tesco now they have acknowledged that, that there's a problem and they've and they've started doing things about it what what we need now is honestly look we, they can't give food away as a business that's not right but they can uh, try and make more affordable stuff, try and signal things better for people so they can find better deals, they can treat their staff better. What, what they made me feel was that we're all in this together. It's a long game. We shouldn't be thinking about short-term PR goals and, and wins mm. in this situation. We're thinking about long-term. The, the, the small losses that companies have had, like Ovo Energy, I mean, Ovo were good because Chipsetter came out really quickly, admitted and made a huge mistake and apologised, you know. So I think that that kind of passed. Tracy, just from a, a more corporate perspective, do you think, I mean, obviously IPOs and M&A has been conspicuous largely by its absence this year, mm. but it was one big deal that was announced this week that, you know, the, I'm talking about the Vodafone 3 merger. Mm. Is there an opportunity for comms people there to sort of go out and stress more, this could save customers X, you know, and, and, and start talking to their customers a bit more apart from shareholders and the rationales for the merger, etc. I mean, would you say, because I, I didn't see any of that kind of No, they messaging. never, it, firms never, it's where it must be way down the list when a merger is getting announced. It was the same with Sainsbury's Asda which broke on a Saturday and I had calls from the news desk sort of mid mid afternoon saying what does this mean for consumers what's it mean for the price of milk and I just had to say I have no idea mm. <laughs> and and you need to get in early because what happened that day is that there was a lot of speculation about prices and somebody published an article on it and that set the agenda this is, I suppose, more directed at the journalists. Um, when you're dealing with these kind of stories, what more would you like to get from companies that might help you give them a sort of better hearing, as it were? Well, I mean, as Simon said earlier, information is always good if you can back up what you're saying with data. So, you know, maybe the price of glass has doubled. It will always explain what you're doing. But to be honest, as a journalist, what you want, ideally, is something um, that no one else has had before. And it's so good that when you go into the pub in the evening or when you come home, you feel moved to tell someone that as part of your day. I mean, anyone who sits with me and goes through my inbox, um, and Simon's had access to my inbox so we, when we've worked together before, it, you know, there's so much rubbish in there, to be frank. And Actually, even- just, just for the record, Tracy, can you just inform the audience how many unread emails there are in your inbox? Uh, 91,500. Ah, uh, I, I would- I, <laughs> That 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 shows the uh, so I'm the, looking the mountain at it now. to climb for the comms industry to get Trace Bell's <laughs> attention of a morning. No, no, it's when, not unread. That's total emails, I think. Oh, that's well, totally I, I read, I read, I, I read the majority of my emails. I honestly do, particularly if I know your name. Let me show you time and shake his head. But particularly if I know like Russ's name, um, I will I will open the email. So in a way, you know, you don't want you don't want your junior account staff sending stuff out. To be honest but i know that's not the case but you know something like this morning something from diageo i opened it because it's diageo um it's that sort of recognition but subject lines very important i know these are very basic things but they're really hard to get right what's your opinion on comms teams calling you to either send in the story before it's sent out or calling a few days after to send after sending a press release to uh follow up and get your feedback please please answer without swear words tracy don't right there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Um, I, I, but you're, you're welcome to email or text any time. One last question, because I'm conscious of time. This is a, <laughs> a very hard one. How do you communicate massive profits for executive or, or executive pay when you're putting prices up? You just maybe best thing is to say nothing yeah. sometimes. I mean, it's not, that doesn't suit me as a journalist, but, you know, it, it, some companies are going to make money at this time. They are. Um, mm. But maybe show restraint in bonuses. And that's where the REM, REM com committee comes in, doesn't it? Um, there is a place for, com, for, for comms to, to help in this case. Yeah, just don't let your boss go around just saying stupid stuff. We had to leave it there because of time. But if you want to hear a full version of the webinar, you can find it at the Powers Court website. Thanks for listening and have a good weekend.